0: Don't look. Don't look at the whiteboard yet. Yeah. The whiteboard is going to be lit today. A lot of fun. Yep. Some of you will enjoy it and some of you won't. But one thing I can guarantee, and the word is already out, this will be the best experience of your entire life. This live stream. Yeah. I know that's a big claim, but watch me satisfy it. But first, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker or gels, a stein, a canteen jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. <clears throat> I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure. The dopamine hit of the day. The thing that's going to make everything better, especially your antibodies. It's called the simultaneous sip. And it's going to happen now all around the world. Go. Mm, the antibodies. Oh, yes. So, how many of you have read a book called God's Debris? Written by me back in... Uh, um, 2001? When was it? Yeah. Wow, a lot of you. Wow. <laughs> uh, on the Locals platform, where there are subscribers... Uh, it's just lighting up with the yeses. I didn't expect that. Now I understand. So there was a mystery that I couldn't figure out, which is why anybody would follow me <laughs> or why anybody would subscribe. And I think I just found the answer. A huge number of the subscribers, percentage-wise anyway, uh, have read my book, God's Debris. It would be hard to read that book and not want to hear more about that kind of thing. So that actually explains why people are subscribing. I was, kinda, I was actually kind of surprised when I went to locals and said, well, you can get some extra stuff, content and whatnot, if you subscribe. And I wasn't sure anybody would. But uh, that actually answers a big mystery for me. Now, here's what I want to tell you about that. That book was written to change the world, slowly. It, it was written uh, by a hypnotist, me, And it was written with hypnosis technique. Now, that was was the first book I I wrote where I explicitly laid on the hypnosis technique for the reader. And the reason uh, was to produce an experience in the reader that you couldn't get just from reading an ordinary book. So the the hypnosis technique plus the story of the book added together gave some people um, profound experiences. I'm watching some of the comments go by on locals. People talk about it. It changed my world. Um, a, a lot of people's entire worldview was just completely scrambled. Often when they were young, and it never, it never, never went back to normal. But uh, here's the thing: you don't know. That book is why I can do this, because there were enough people who read that book who said you know, I'm going to promote your voice because I liked what you said in that book. So I, it's not an accident that I became a, a prominent voice about other stuff because the people who read that book sort of pushed me to the, to the front of the line. That's what happened. Uh, but the book itself is changing the world in ways that I can't tell you right now. But you'll see. <laughs> you'll see. It, it, it was meant to have a 20- or 30-year impact. And so far, so good. Uh, I didn't realize how many states don't have uh, mask mandates for kids, or at least mask mandates in general. So the ones that do are, uh, let's see, California, where I am. Illinois, New York, and Washington. Still mandatory. Those are the only ones? Is that true? I feel like this fact is not right. Are there only four states with mandatory masks? And I happen to be one of the lucky ones? Somebody says Indiana does. The, this, uh, Oregon has them, yeah. Maybe this was about schools. Was it only about schools? Um, lots of local mandates Yeah, Maryland. Uh, maybe this was just about schools. So I guess uh, I don't know the facts on this. I, t- I saw this in the news, but it didn't look right to me, so I think I'm I misinterpreted it. Anyway... Uh, there's a new university, have you heard of this? So a new university opened up, uh, or it's opening, I guess it's being founded now, the University of Austin. And it will, uh, Barry Weiss uh, talked about it on Substack. Uh, and it's committed to, quote, freedom of inquiry, freedom of conscience, and civil discourse. So in other words, free of wokeness. So, sort of a non-woke or non-overly woke university and how many uh, how many professors do you think immediately tried to get a job there how many professors immediately wanted to leave the university where they currently work and get the hell out of there and go to, to go to this place where they can actually say actual real things hundreds <laughs> apparently a lot of people are applying for this job so once again it looks like the uh, the free market, has solved the problem that politics can't. How often does that happen? A lot, right? There's gonna be some more of that in this very live stream, I'll tell you some more of it. But every time we think the government or you know society is needs to do something differently, you just wait a while. And commerce and the free market just solves the problem that you were, you know, talking about and doing nothing about. So maybe we just wait. Maybe maybe colleges are so uh, so poorly thought of right now that there's a giant opening for competition. I think that's what's going to happen. Here's an example of it. Well, there was a, I saw a tweet about uh, some scientific people trying to figure out uh, if our universe were a simulation, if, if this were a simulation, how much data would it take to create the simulation? And, of course, the, the number is trillions times trillions times trillions. An enormous amount of data if this were a simulation. In fact, so much data that it's hard to imagine that any advanced civilization could even create such a thing. But, of course, that analysis makes the critical problem and mistake that you don't need to program all of it. You only have to make the characters think they're seeing all of it. That's it, that's easy. Programming an entire universe just in case somebody saw it would be stupid. The easier way to do it is to program the humans to think they're seeing something in detail, but they're not. Let me give you an example. If somebody hits a tennis ball fast and it goes near the line, you say to yourself, okay, that was in or that was out. And you're pretty sure because you saw it. Saw it with your own eyes. Except often when the replay goes... The replay shows the ball hitting a completely different place than you clearly saw with your own eyes. How could that be? How could you clearly see something that on the replay simply didn't happen? And the reason is, that's how everything works. (laughs) Everything you see isn't really happening. It's It's just a quick summary that your brain ginned up to make you think you're seeing something that makes sense. You're seeing just a little cartoon of what's happening, it's not accurate. It's just what your brain gave you. So your brain said, "Oh, there's that tennis ball, and it's you know it's in or it's out." And then you see that you were completely wrong, but it doesn't change your memory. Your memory's still there, right? So everything that you see is an approximate picture for something that you didn't see clearly, or you couldn't see the details. You couldn't see behind it. You couldn't see, uh, you know, you couldn't see its atomic structure. You can only see the present. You can't see the past. You can't see the future. I mean, the amount that we can see is so tiny compared to what's here, that's how you can program all that information. You just make the only characters who matter think they're seeing it all. They're not. (laughs) They're just programmed to think they are. So uh, that's the first thing. All right, I'm going to go back and forth to the simulation idea as I talk through the other stuff. Um... I have a theory, and this is how we're going to find out how many of you are NPCs. Do you know what an NPC is? It's a gaming, um, it's a gaming term. It's for people who do online games. and It refers to a, uh, uh, a non-player character. So if you're playing a game, you might inhabit a character in the game, and so you're a, a live character, meaning your avatar or the, the little simulated creature is using your intelligence to guide it. But in the game, there would be other just scenery like people that you might interact, maybe enemies that you shoot, etc. Those those characters don't need a full set of feelings and experiences. They only need to act in a few different ways, and you'll think, oh, they they must be people, because you're not interacting with them. So they would look like they're full people, but they don't have to be. They could be... Limited program scenery kind of people. Now, how would you know if somebody that you know is an NPC, if we're a simulation, uh, versus a player character? Well, I'm going to add a a new little mind bender here. What if sometimes you're an NPC and sometimes you're live? Just the way you dream. Think of it. If you think you're a, a real, you're not a simulation, you're a real character. You think you dream at night and then you live your real life during the day, but did you notice that your dream was pretty specific with the memories and stuff? But we count that it was not real. What if your avatar lives when you're asleep in the other world and it just keeps interacting in the game, but it turns into an NPC because it can't do much? How much of your day... Do you spend being creative and coming up with new ideas and you're clearly a real player in a real, in a real, some kind of reality? But other times you're tired and you can only say a few things. Have you ever had that experience? If you're, you know, you're just worn out and, and somebody says, how you feel? You just go, fine. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? You see where I'm going? Sometimes you might be real and sometimes you might be the NPC because whoever is running you is asleep in the other world. (laughs) So you just run around like a a semi-programmed automaton who can only do limited things. Now, do you know anybody in your real life who can only uh, respond with about five different responses? I know somebody in real life who can only say one of five things all day long, every day, no matter what else is happening. Only five things, no matter what you say, they can only respond with one of those five things. Yeah, you all know somebody like that, don't you? All right? And what happens if you try to bring up a new topic to somebody who only has five things that they can say? I'll tell you what happens when I do it. They will stare at you, and when you're done talking, what will they do? Will they engage with you in this new topic? Never. They will just look at you, pause, and then say one of the five things that they say every time. Now, do you know people who will always say, if you talk about the simulation, they'll say, oh, that's like the matrix? That's probably an NPC. If you're talking about food sources, somebody always says, oh, that's like soil and green. NPC. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just programmed to say the same thing in every topic. Now, when, we talk, when I talk about Pete Buttigieg in a while, you're going to find out if you're an NPC. Here's how you'll find out. I'm going to tell you some things that I think are good about Pete Buttigieg in his current job, and some things that I think are not so good. If you can handle that, you're probably a real player. If you can handle, he's got some positives, he's got some negatives. You're a real player. But if you pick one of the negatives and say, we're done here, you might be an NPC. Because the NPC would be programmed to pick the first thing it heard on its team and just go with it, because it's simpler. So if your news programmed you to say, Pete Buttigieg uh, took too much time off, then you're going to say that and you're going to be done. (laughs) Because that's all you got. You're an NPC. So you'll find out if you're NPC in a bit. Hold that thought. Uh, CNN has... Oh, let's talk about Big Bird and... Uh, um, do you think that uh, your, the government should be directly uh, persuading your children to take drugs, such as a vaccination? Apparently, Big Bird and uh, Sesame Street is part of the pro-vaccination persuasion for children. Now... That wouldn't be fine, maybe, if all parents agreed about vaccinations, but they don't. And so now you've got the government directly persuading your kids, presumably, to persuade you the way they did with climate change. And is this ethical? I, I would say deeply unethical. Will it work? Well, it might? Well, probably. it probably will work because it'll make the kids you know, more likely to want to get vaccinated, maybe less afraid, et cetera. But um, it's deeply unethical, wouldn't you agree? Because it's uh, essentially taking the parent's job. Now, the, the assumption here is that the parents aren't doing a good job or not doing a good enough job if, um, if, if they haven't told their kids the right stuff about vaccinations. But that's a pretty big uh, and inappropriate assumption by a government, I think. So I'm going to be on the side that says the sesame seed stuff, sesame seed, Sesame Street, and big bird persuasion is unethical. Anybody agree? Agree or disagree. I, th- I say purely unethical. All right, I think we agree. Here's some fake news from CNN. CNN's fake news is sometimes right on the nose, meaning it's just a lie, but more often is more clever than that. So here's some fake news today. Uh, An article saying that that why Joe Biden can't do much to ease gas prices. Do you believe that? That's the title of the piece. Do you believe that Joe Biden can't do much to ease gas prices? Now, I guess he can tap into the the reserve, but that's not any kind of long-term anything. Isn't this an obvious lie? It feels like an obvious lie that the president can't do anything to ease gas prices. Don't you think that all he'd have to do is ease up on pipelines and drilling and suddenly the market would adjust? Because the market is forward-looking, right? So if the market saw that the United States just uh, took the cap off of its production, you wouldn't have to wait for OPEC. You wouldn't have to wait for Russia. You would just make as much as you needed domestically and prices would come down. Am I wrong about that? Now, I don't think that anything would happen on day one that would actually change the uh, you know the supply and demand but certainly the you know the since markets are forward looking they would probably lower the prices in anticipation of more demand or more supply right so i think that's just fake news and they and they can do this because people are not sophisticated and they think well there's nothing you can do about it i guess that's all i know nothing you can do about it But basically, they're trying to cover Biden's biggest flaw, in my opinion, that he destroyed the energy um, industry in this country or degraded it when he took office. So it looks like they're just trying to cover for him. Um, How many of you think that COVID was just a a flu still? In the comments, how many of you still believe that COVID was just sort of a bad flu and we could have just ignored it? I'm seeing uh, some yeses and nos, a mix. Yeses, nos, poisoning, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm not going to answer that question for you, but I'll tell you what some of the official numbers are. So uh, a new estimate, and of course you can't trust any estimates or anything else. <laughs> Don't trust any estimates or predictions or data. But here are some. Uh, According to the OECD countries, the uh, I don't know European blah 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 countries, I forget what's in that group, but um, the the calculation is that uh, COVID contributed to a 16 one 6, increase in the expected number of deaths in 2020 and 2021. Um, do you believe that? Do you believe that there were 16 percent more deaths than there normally would be, and it was because of COVID? Now, remember, you have to factor in the number of people who died because of the lockdown, right? That's not zero. I don't know what that number is. So I I see lots of skeptics. I I will uh, show some love for the skeptics. If your take on this is that the people telling us about this, sort of generally speaking, are the same people who have lied about everything, (laughs) then... Should you should you be confident that these numbers are true? No, no. You should not have any confidence that these numbers are true. I'm just telling you what the official numbers are, right? But if you said, oh, therefore it's true, mm, I don't think so. It's just the official numbers. I wouldn't say that they're true. I'd just say they're the numbers, all right? Um, apparently, the same, same group or same article is telling us that the Alleged number of people died worldwide is past 5 million. Do you think that 5 million people died from COVID? How many of you think 5 million died from COVID? Nope, you don't believe that either, right? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Again, I I will give full respect to the critics. You know, I I don't know if you've noticed that I, I try to... Try to have some nuance here on what is credible versus what is true. So those who are doubting these numbers, you are both credible, and uh, I respect it. I don't think you're right, but I'm sort of guessing. So are you. That's why I don't have more respect for my own opinion than I do for yours, because I feel like we don't really know. I feel like we could be lied to at this level. Yes. Yes. I also have the concern that you do, which is if somebody dies with five comorbidities and a COVID diagnosis, wasn't the COVID simply the last thing that happened? Is that really the cause? Right? Is that how we use that word? The cause is always the last thing that happened? Because it was the smallest thing that happened. If the last thing that happened is also the smallest thing, why do you call that the cause? What about the fact that you're 100 years old and you have terminal cancer and type 2 diabetes and you haven't walked in three years? Those seem like pretty big reasons for dying. The COVID was the smallest part. It was just the last thing that happened. So, I don't know, would you call that a cause? Uh, So something happened, and then uh, you'd have to put... So suppose there was a 16% increase in the expected number of deaths... But if it was highly concentrated in people who were going to die anyway pretty soon, did it make any difference? You, you could look at these same numbers and say, yeah, basically nothing happened. Just people who were 100 died at you know 100 instead of 101. I'm exaggerating a little bit to make the point. Yeah, you could certainly make the argument that in terms of the number of deaths, if you counted it in a different way, it looks more flu-like. But how many of you believe the regular flu kills 50,000 people a year? Go. So you're all skeptics about the, or uh, most of you were skeptics about the COVID numbers, but how many of you think the real flu, the just ordinary flu, how many think that kills 50,000 a year? And yet I've never met anybody who died of it. Some of you do, right? I would argue that if you believe the COVID numbers, you probably should also believe. The regular flu numbers, but if you don't believe the regular flu numbers, and I don't, why would I believe the COVID numbers? Because to me, the regular flu numbers seem, based on my life of um, doing data analysis and you know trying to research stuff, just a life experience kind of a instinct or, or hunch, uh, backed by a little bit of knowledge, but mostly a hunch. I don't think the regular flu deaths are real. Nothing like 50000 a year. I think that that number is so that we will be scared into getting the shot. That's what I think. However, if you talk to people who uh, survived COVID, they will tell you, the Tim Pools and the Joe Rogans, it's no walk in the park when you get this, even if you're healthy. So even if you're young and healthy, you're going to get hit by something that you don't think is a regular flu. It's going to feel a little different. So... um, So much today. Rasmussen has a uh, poll that says uh, Biden is down to a new uh, approval low. So Biden's approval, he only has approval by 27% of independents now. Uh, essentially, our elections are determined by, you know, turnout and which way the independents go. And the independents have completely left uh, Biden. Do you think the independents have also left um Lower-level Democrats? Probably. I don't know if it's the same number, but it feels like it. Uh, As somebody noted, 27% is about that 25% of the public who gets everything wrong. (laughs) No matter what the question is, you can depend on 25% of the public getting getting all the wrong answers, no matter what. And here we've got 27% of independents are still with Biden. So sort of supports that theory. Um, Rasmussen also says that Biden, a uh, Biden endorsement, let's say somebody else is running as a Democrat and Biden comes in to endorse them, 51% of people polled say that they're le- that would make them less likely to vote for that candidate. Now, that might be mostly a partisan answer. But if you look at the Trump endorsement, in the same poll, they asked if Trump endorsed somebody would that make you more or less likely to vote for him? And it was sort of a tie, you know, 38 39%. But I suspect that that's, it's a tough effect to measure in a poll because turnout is more important. right? So if Trump gets you to go to the poll, that counts more than just changing your mind, right? So um, it looks like a Trump endorsement might be a positive where a Biden endorsement might be a negative. So we'll see if that plays out. If you're following the Kyle Rittenhouse case, uh, apparently the trial is over, but the uh, lawyers don't know it yet. And by that I mean uh, the prosecution has shown that they have zero evidence, and I don't know that they have any more evidence coming. Let me say that again. The prosecution didn't have any evidence. They're prosecuting him for homicide without evidence meaning that they did present stuff, but when you heard it, you said to yourself, well, what I'm hearing sounds exactly like self-defense. What else you got? Well, we also have this. Okay, that sounds exactly like self-defense. Wait, I'm not done. We also have this. Uh Uh-huh. But even with the facts you're presenting, your own facts, that sounds like self-defense. So as far as I know... There's literally no evidence of a crime. You don't think that the prosecutor knew that before taking it to to trial? Do you think the prosecutor was unaware that there was no evidence? I'm ready to start cursing up a streak, but I'm going to pull back. Because I think the Rittenhouse thing will end in a way that I'm not too unhappy with, so I'm going to let it play out. But... What looks like what happened is a, uh, I'm going to call him a criminal, <clears throat> a criminal prosecutor, uh, lied. This is what it looks like on the surface. We, we can't know because we can't read his mind, right? But on the surface, what it looks like is a, a criminal prosecutor uh, did a criminal prosecution, and he was the criminal. The only, the only person who committed a crime, in my opinion, is the prosecutor because he had to know he didn't have evidence, And so he's ruining this kid's life, possibly, uh, with this trial that had no evidence. So I would think that the prosecutor should go to jail for this. Am I wrong? Let me ask you, has that ever happened? Has a prosecutor ever gone to jail for pressing a, a, a trial where there was no evidence? Is that a thing? I've never heard of it. But this clearly looks like a crime to me. Or do they just say, oh, you're incompetent, and that's it. So maybe a... Uh, oh, the Duke Lacrosse DA. But uh, you, I don't know how much lying you have to do. You could get disbarred, sure. But I think you'd have to go to jail for this. <clears throat> he hasn't broken a law. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I would think that uh, Kyle's going to get a big payday out of this. Now, here's the other thing that uh, Jack Posabek noted today on Twitter, that uh, at least four uh, news entities are re- referring to the, the last witness that we heard of in that trial as the lone survivor. They're calling one of the witnesses who was shot by Rittenhouse a lone survivor because the others died. Does that, feel f- does that feel fair? He's the lone survivor? Because that basically tells you that somebody was killing people and one got away. That's not exactly a fair way to characterize this, is it? Here's another thing you could say. He was the only attacker who survived. Is that fair? He's the only attacker who survived the attack. Now, attack could be for good reasons, could be for bad. It you know, sounds bad if you say attacker. Um, but they were the attackers. They were the attackers. (laughs) So why not call them that? But they he's also a lone survivor, but pretty biased. Uh, On Twitter, the trial is referred to this way. Uh, This is the headline on Twitter. So Twitter puts the, uh, the headlines on some of these stories. Homicide trial of Kyle Rittenhouse continues in Kenosha. Is that fair? Is it fair to say that the homicide trial continues? Because when you hear it's a homicide trial don't you sort of think he's guilty? Don't you? Because how many homicide trials do not end in conviction or something? Right? I mean, it's a homicide trial, technically. I get that. But at this point, wouldn't you call it a false accusation trial? Wouldn't you say it's a trial that has no evidence of homicide? It's an evidence-free homicide trial. If this were Trump, <laughs> uh, yeah, they'd call it the homicide trial, I guess. <laughs> uh, but you can imagine if this were somebody they liked, the headline would something would be something like, uh, "No evidence of a crime." In the in the Rittenhouse uh, case, I, I think that would be a lot more fair. Um, and this Rittenhouse situation, I think, is part of the larger. Uh, demonization of men, wouldn't you say? How, how much of the Rittenhouse case is about gun control and how much about that is uh, diminishing the role of men in society? Because what Kyle Rittenhouse did was he said, hey, I think there's a problem happening and I'm a man and I can go help. So is he, he's being criticized for having the attitude that he's a man and he has some resources. I guess he had some medical experience. And uh, he had firearms so he could protect people. He said, I'm going to go try to help. And then when the trouble started, Kyle Rittenhouse did what a man does when, when somebody points a gun at you with bad intentions. You kill him or you shoot him. That's what men do. And he's on trial for being a man. <clears throat> Make no. Don't be confused. He's not on trial for a crime. He's on trial for being a man in 2021. Yeah. How many of you just felt that? Probably the men more than the women, right? But if you're a man, and I just told you that Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial, he's on fucking trial for being a man. That's really happening. He's on trial for being a man. And let me tell you, a lot of men are watching this. Men, can you back me up on this? Men, you're watching this, aren't you? And I'd like to uh, give some advice to the women who are watching this, watching this, not just this live stream, but the women who are watching the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse situation. Here's my advice to the women watching that. I don't fucking care what your opinion is on it. Because this is about men. Just stay out of it. Yeah, it's a free country, and you're, you're willing... Of course, you can have your opinion. But my opinion is you should stay the fuck out of it if you're a woman. In return, in return, I will stay the fuck out of the abortion question because that's not my beat, right? I want the women to work that out and let me know how, how you did. Women, work out the abortion. That's your deal, and I'll back you on it. On the Rittenhouse trial, women, stay the fuck out of it. Just stay the fuck out of this. Yeah, you can have an opinion, but keep it to yourself. That's what I would ask you. Just keep it to yourself. The men have to work this out. Right? I don't know the composition of the jury, but I'm pretty sure they're going to get them off. And at this point, the men of the world who are watching this, are going to embrace Kyle like you've never seen before, assuming he gets off. Am I right? I'm pretty sure that the men in America are going to make sure that Kyle Rittenhouse's life goes better than it would have otherwise. I think he's going to get job offers. I think he's going to get opportunities. And he showed the world what a man is or can be. Now, you don't have to say that you buy into that definition of what a man is or should be. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care if you do or not. Uh, it's just of no interest to me. All I'm saying is that women, just stay out of this one, and I'll, I'll stay out of abortion. Fair? All right. <clears throat> um, a lot of you think that doing your own search- research is a good idea. Let me talk you out of that. Okay? Number one, doing your own research um, can be a great idea if all you're doing is learning. Let's say you wanted to learn how to do a thing. Do your own research. You know, take a class, too. But doing your own research is probably a good idea. So if you're just learning something, and there's nobody on the other side, it's not a, it's not a topic where there are two teams, you're just learning something, absolutely do your own research. In fact, You should do as much as possible. But in this specific situation in which you've got a very complicated, big topic and people are on different sides, what happens if you have a complicated topic and then you add a bunch of money to it? What will happen every time? All right, Christine, I've got to stop and make this comment. Christine on YouTube says... Both issues are important to men and women. Sorry, you're wrong. Did I I say they weren't important? Christine, did you hear me say anything about the lack of importance to one of the genders? No. No, you're arguing with your own imagination. If you'd like to argue with my point, I welcome you. But don't argue with your own imagination. I, I acknowledge that these are important to both men and women. I'm just saying stay out of it if you want a better outcome. And I'll stay on of yours. All right. Um, If you have a complicated topic and you add money to it, what will be the outcome, assuming it stays complicated every time? The outcome will be you're going to get mostly fraud. What would be an example of this? Let's take the finance industry. Is the finance industry a big, complicated thing? Yes. And there's tons of money poured into it. Yes. Is it mostly fraud? Is the, is the uh, nation's finance system mostly fraud? I'm seeing yeses and nos. See, people say partially. Have, have I gone too far? Have I gone too far to say it's mostly fraud? It's mostly fraud. It's mostly fraud. How many uh, financial uh, consultants are giving you unbiased advice that's good for you versus um, just, uh, yeah, how many are giving you unbiased advice? None. Because the business model of financial advisors is to make more money from financial advisors. So all fi- the financial advice business is completely corrupt. It's all fraud. The, if a if a financial advisor were honest, they couldn't charge you because <laughs> there wouldn't be enough content. I tried to write a book on finance once, and when I realized the whole book could fit on one page, I couldn't write the book. Everything else is just fraud. The, the part that you need to know is like one page. That's it. Buy index funds. Hold them. I'm done. So um, then look at... Uh, um, anything from climate change to whatever. Do you think that climate change, what percent of climate change, a big complicated topic with tons of money going into it, what percentage of that outcome do you think was fraud? Well, some would say the entire solar uh, solar power industry is fraud. You know That's more of an opinion than a fact. But the fraud would be that it can't really get us to where we need to and the, the cells themselves are a big um, pollution problem, et cetera. It looks like the, the entire thing is just fill, filled with fraud. I don't know what percentage. Now, look at the supply chain issue. Right? Big, complicated thing. If we throw a bunch of money at that, or, or let's say infrastructure, if we have a big, complicated thing like infrastructure and throw a bunch of money at it, Or even the bill. Let's say the infrastructure bill. Do you think that's mostly fraud? (laughs) There's plenty of it in there, I'm sure. So I'll just make this point. Now, let's say you do your own research. You dig into this. What are you going to find? Do you think you're going to be able to sort out what the fraud is and what isn't? Maybe a little bit. But these big, complicated things are big and complicated for a reason. Uh, and Part of the reason is it hides fraud. So when you go to do your research, you're going to be running into mostly bullshit because the fraudsters need you to hit a solid wall of bullshit because they're hiding behind it. Food industry, another perfect example, right? So when you go to do your own research, you're going to hit that wall of bullshit that needs to exist so that the fraud can hide safely behind it. And you won't know if you hit a wall of bullshit or if you found the truth, finally. You won't know because it's good bullshit. Let me give you an example of how hard it would be to do the uh, uh, analysis. Let's say climate change. Here's new news today. See if you knew this. The new updates to global CO2 emissions in the GCP, uh, they're revised now, and the new data shows that global CO2 emissions have been flat, if not slightly declining over the past 10 years. What? What? (laughs) Um, What? Are you serious? Uh, The Global Carbon Project projects that fossil emissions in 2021 will reach blah, blah, blah. Um, Well, that wasn't important to the point. But the point is that CO2 has actually been falling over the past 10 years. And a lot of it has to do with land use. I guess we did good things there. Some have had to do with gas replacing worse worse uh, sources. Um, but did you know that? Did you know that, that CO2 emissions have been flat or, or declining? So here's the problem. Do your own research and you can find any, any outcome you want. <laughs> Things are getting better or they're not. Um, I don't think you could understand climate change without at least being familiar with the work of Michael Schellenberger. So, if you want to see the you know the uh, the climate change analysis that considers both the risks and the rewards, the pros and the cons without taking a political side, that's Michael Schellenberger's work. So, follow him on Twitter and read his books. And I was I would go so far as to say if you're not familiar with his work you probably don't have a good opinion on climate change. You probably don't anyway, because it's hard to have a good opinion on that. But if you don't follow him, you're really you're kind of lost, honestly. Um, did you know that by 2022, this is from Schellenberger too, the U.S. had reduced its emissions 22% below the 2005 levels, and mostly because we were using gas to replace coal? And I think uh, Biden reversed that, right? Am I right? Not sure. All right. um, So beware what you think about climate change. You could research it all day and still not have a good opinion. So Elon Musk offered to sell 10% of his Tesla shares. Apparently the context is that since he doesn't take a salary, he would normally pay no taxes while being the richest person in the world. And people say, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. I pay taxes, and you don't pay taxes, and you're the richest person in the world. So Elon Musk said, OK, I'll pay some taxes. I'll do, I'll do a poll. And if the public wants me to sell 10% of Tesla just to pay taxes, because if he sells some stock, he, had to, he would have to pay, I don't know, up to half of it in, in uh, capital gains. So that would be billions of dollars he would pay in taxes. And I think he would do that largely for public concern, because he's not a taxpayer... Maybe he'd like to be. Now, first of all, he is a taxpayer, right, because the business pays various taxes. But here is what I would like to ask you, my smart audience, which I know is far more educated than the average. Is the country better off if Musk pays taxes or does what he continues to do, which is take no salary and pour enormous amounts or percentage of his wealth into new projects? Which one of those is better? Are we better off as a country, including the poor? Are the poor better off if Musk pays more taxes? The answer is really, really easy on this one. You don't need a degree of economics to get this one. And if, but if you don't have a degree of economics, it might not be obvious. So I'll say it, and then once you hear it, you're going to say, oh. Where do you want money to be? If you want the economy to do well, where do you want the money to be? You want the money to be allocated wherever it will have the most chance of turning into more money. Agreed? Now, of course, you've got feed to feed people and stuff, but once you've taken care of the basics, you need every dollar to go where it will be most productive. Do you think that Elon Musk's dollar should go to the fucking government or to the guy who sent a car into space? That's, that's the question. Let me say it again with the F word again, because you need that. Do you think that dollar is better in the hands of the government or in the hands of a guy who put an automobile in space just for fun? I mean, that being an example of the, the types of things he's accomplishing. And there's no contest, right? There's no contest. Musk is obviously making the point, and I think he's doing this cleverly because it makes us talk about it. If you are bad at economics, you think that he should pay taxes. If you're good at economics, you don't want him to pay a penny. You do not want him to pay a penny in taxes. You want him to do what he keeps doing, which is pouring money into good ideas that keep working and make the country you know, a leader in areas where we need to be a leader, basically. So... You know, let's just take one example. AI will probably determine the the safety of the country in the future. And, uh, you know, Musk heavily invests in AI, and I would bet he's probably one of the most productive people in that area. You don't want him to stop. You don't want him to have $1 less to do that. Right? Not at all. All right. But I love the fact that Musk is making us think about it with this provocative question Do you want me to pay taxes? And it it forces people like me to educate people who didn't know it that him paying taxes is the worst idea that the United States could ever have. Seriously, think of a worse idea than taking money away from Elon Musk and giving it to the government. Can you think of anything that would be worse than that? I can't think of anything. It should go the other way. The government should be paying Elon Musk to do more cool stuff. All right. Um, I do. I also invest in Tesla. I should tell you every once in a while. I'll tell you what things I'm invested in because it does b- bias me. But I invested in them recently, you know, because I like what's happening. Not uh, it's not the other way. All right. Um, what? Let's talk about Mayor Pete. Uh, I provocatively said today that I believe he is exactly the right person I would want in the job of uh, figuring out where the infrastructure money should go. Um, And I'm going to support that. Now, here's where you find out if you're an NPC. I'm going to give you the pros and I'm going to give you the cons. And I'm not going to hide either one. Okay? If you picked one of the cons and said, oh, I'm done here, you're probably an NPC. If you weighed the two things, it doesn't matter which way you go, well, you're probably a real player. So now you can find out if you're a real player. All right? Here's the argument for him being the right person. He is an ex-McKinsey guy, ex-Harvard guy, and it's a really complicated, hard analysis. McKinsey consultants are taught to go into an industry with which they are not deeply familiar, to learn from the experts, to put the experts' uh, opinions and data through a logical sort of filter that McKinsey teaches them, and to come out with the most rational uh, decisions that make the most sense, all things considered. There is nobody I've ever seen in the government, there may be, but I just don't know of any, who would ever be more perfectly suited for this exact task. In fact, if you didn't have a Buttigieg at the head of it, it would be smart for them to hire McKinsey to help them make these decisions. I don't know if the government does that. Does the government ever hire McKinsey? Probably, right? I assume. But if, if he were not already the right one, he should hire somebody like him. The first thing he would do in that job is hire a P Pete Buttigieg to help him make the decisions. Now, he probably is. He probably is hiring a P. Buttigieg to to help him with the analysis. And then, you know, he could also know if it were done right. But, so Talents, his, uh, uh, before we go on, we'll talk about his failure as a mayor, blah, blah, blah. We'll get to that. So before I talk about the reasons he's not the right choice, and I'll talk about him. will you agree with my first point, that his talent stack is exactly the one you'd want? Yes or no? Just the talent experience part. Mostly yeses, but some noes. Why no? What, what would be the reasoning behind no? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm asking your reasons. Uh, lousy track record. No, that's a track record in different things. The only thing that matters is his track record at McKinsey, which we think is good, right? McKinsey is mostly fraud. All right, uh, let me address that. The McKinsey model, somebody said, is mostly fraud, and I agree. But that's the business, that's the model of consulting. That doesn't refer to the actual consultant. Somebody who works for them is probably not doing anything fraudulent. They're probably just trying to do their job. But the model is mostly fraudulent because they're trying to sell things that, maybe you don't need, and (laughs) that sort of thing. So, yes, I think the consulting model is mostly fraudulent, but the consultant is not necessarily fraudulent, just the business model is. All right. Now I will talk about the reasons that he is not the right person for the job. Number one, he did not show good leadership as a mayor. Everybody agree? Did not show great leadership as a mayor. I accept that. I don't know if it's true but I'm going to accept it. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Because he's not being asked to do the job of a mayor. He's, doing that, he's being asked to do the job of a wonk, basically. He's being asked to do the job of a, a technocrat. right? As a leader, I don't back him. Yet. I, I, do, I do think that he could become one. I actually have high, high hopes for Buttigieg maybe uh, later in his uh, career. At the moment, I don't think he shows the leadership skills and I wouldn't defend his mayor or mayor job. So, will you accept that the job of mayor, he may have done poorly? I don't know, but I'm willing to accept that. But it isn't relevant to the specific task. All right. So that's my first point. Secondly, uh, he's a guy who uh, went away and did his uh, family leave during the worst part of the worst problem in the country, which was the supply chain problem number one who did he leave in charge say <laughs> so, uh let me let me call out the uh the npcs so, so felony videos says wow stupidity scott so that's an npc let me see if we have any others uh because i haven't even finished my points yet uh ba-ba-ba-ba. yeah okay that was one all right um so, all right, so what do you think about the fact that he uh, went on family leave, extended two-month leave during the biggest emergency? Here's what we don't know about it. We don't know who was in charge. Maybe somebody was in charge, and maybe he was on the phone every day. Do you know if he wasn't? Does anybody know if, if Mayor Pete didn't take phone calls during those two months? Because I doubt it. Now, we do know that he didn't succeed, right? Right? But it's also not exactly his job. Can you agree with me there? The transportation sec- secretary isn't exactly exactly the right one to fix a port problem. Cuz the port is sort of a local problem. But I don't think he did enough. However, is that the same problem? So I think he didn't he wasn't aggressive enough but I also don't know if he did something or if he could have made a difference or if it was his domain. So I would say that's a question mark and a good one. So if somebody says he didn't do a good job on the supply chain, I would say that might be a good point, but we also don't know what he did. Would you agree with my point that you don't know what he did or what he could have done? We don't know that, do we? So I would say that that's a question. But it's also slightly different than figuring out where to spend infrastructure money. Now, the other point is that he's too woke because apparently he said something that sounded ridiculous to almost all of us, which is that the current infrastructure was built in a racist way. What was your first reaction when you heard that maybe some of our roads and bridges were built in a racist way? You laughed, right? You said, well, now you've gone a little too far because I don't think we have racist roads and I don't think we have racist bridges, right? How many of you had that immediate reaction? And then after you have that reaction, how many of you actually researched it to find out he was right? Did anybody? <laughs> Did anybody research it? Cuz it turns out he's right. He's right. Apparently it's a it's a known historical fact that at least in, I don't know, um, some parts of uh, New York, that uh, there was an actual racist who designed the roads and didn't give good roads where there were a lot of black people because he didn't want them to use the roads to go to the park and ruin everything. What? <laughs> yeah, that's a real thing. That, uh, apparently a lot of the highways were designed by actual racists who actually were making them degraded in some places to keep, Black people from going where white people wanted to be. That's actually real, apparently. There's plenty, we have the name of the person, you know, there are books written about it. I'd never heard of that. Now, I don't know how relevant it is to today, because I'm pretty sure today we would just look at wherever it makes sense and, you know, and do it there. But the fact that he raised this and I didn't know it, uh, that's a plus for him. I'd say that's a plus. Because he raised an issue um, that I think you could call this uh, systemic racism. Apparently it's real, and apparently it probably made a difference. So I'm going to give him credit for that. I know some of you are calling uh, calling that a negative because you think he's going to do a bunch of woke investing. But I suspect the number of places where that's actually going to make a difference um, is probably small. So here's my argument. He's not being asked to do the job of a mayor. I don't know that he would do that well. He's not being asked to do the job of a president. I don't know that he'd do that well. He's not being uh, asked to... I don't think he was exactly the right person for the supply chain problem. Maybe that just wasn't the right job. And we don't know what he did or didn't do when he was on leave. But his talent stack is exactly the right one for deciding how to spend infrastructure money. Now... um, how many of you can handle that opinion? Can you handle that? That there's definitely some negatives, and I called them out. All right, good. All right, most of you, most of you are good with that. Um, and I think i got to run in a minute. Let's see what else i got going. Oh, my God, here's what... I told you about Sam Altman. He, he was the president of Wyatt Combinator. I didn't realize he's now working for the OpenAI. So he's working on AI more than that. Um, he's putting 375 million of his own money, of his own money, into uh, this fusion startup called Helion. Uh, 500 million in total, but he's putting 375 million of his own. So I, I, I checked his uh, net worth, Sam Altman's net worth, and I thought, wow, how, what is your net worth if you can put 375 million into one thing that might not even work? And it said his net worth was 200 million. I did my own research. A lot of you would just guess, but I did my own research. And according to my research, he's worth 200 million and he's putting 375 million into one investment. So it's a good thing I did my own research because otherwise I wouldn't know any of this. No, he's obviously worth a few billion. I don't know how many billions it is, but this is a gigantic investment and it shows that the person closest to it. And the person who may be one of the few people on the planet who could really predict whether a startup has what it takes, he would be one of them. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't trust too many people on the whole planet to tell me a startup is, gonna, is look, looks good, but he would be one of them, right? Of the you know 10 people in the world who might be the best at this very thing. So that is really good. At the same time, Rolls-Royce, is going to be building small nuclear reactors of the traditional kind. I think that's a really big deal. And Regeneron found out that uh, Regeneron not only helps you solve COVID, if you've got it, but can give you lasting immunity, well, sort of immunity, for months, up to eight months after you take it. Uh, I also recently invested in Regeneron before I heard this news, so consider my bias, but apparently we have lots of therapeutics now, so the mandates are a little less ethical than they've ever been. Every time we get a new therapeutic online, the argument for mandates starts dissolving. And that is my awesome show for today. I think you'll love it. It'll, it'll sink in a little bit or get better as you go. All right, um, got to run? And I wish